0: Hello. Welcome to Can't Make This Up, a history podcast where I interview historians about their latest research, covering a whole range of topics from all time periods. I am your host, Kevin. Uh, today, I'm going to be speaking with a historical novelist named Kim Taylor Blakemore. We're going to be talking about her most recent book, Perfectly in Time with Halloween here, uh, called The Deception. Uh, this is the latest installment in her Dangerous Women series. Uh, and this book focuses on uh, some interesting uh, women from the spiritualist movement. The spiritualist movement is a movement from the mid and late 19th century uh, in which women uh, were claiming that they could communicate with the dead. Uh, some very much believed in the phenomenon and the supernatural elements of it. Some were outright fraudsters and con artists. It's a fantastic interesting uh, little piece of American uh, religious and spiritual history. Uh, So Kim's going to join us to talk about her novel uh, and to talk about a little bit of the research she did into the spiritualist movement. Uh, If you find that this book interests you and you want to read the novel, uh, there is a link for it down in the description of this episode in your podcast app. And then, of course, if you would like to uh, follow along with the podcast. You can of course like and subscribe on whatever you're listening to. Uh, please rate and leave a review. Those things are super helpful in getting the word out about the podcast. Um, and then also if you want to follow me on social media, I'm at CMTU History on uh, any platform uh, that's out there. All right, I hope that you'll enjoy uh, this conversation about the deception.
1: the you can't make this up history podcast bringing you strange but true things from the past it's not the average history that you learned in school we're bringing
0: Welcome to Can't Make This Up. My guest today is Kim Taylor Blakemore. Kim, how are you?
1: I'm excellent and happy to be here.
0: Very glad to have you. Uh, If you would mind uh, telling us a little bit about yourself uh, and how you became a uh, professional novelist.
1: Sure. Uh, I live in the Pacific Northwest. in a small town uh, out here, I used to live in Portland, so it's been a big change to move out here, mm-hmm. and uh, have quite quite the menagerie of dogs and cats, which is very <laughs> fun. I, I do like that. Uh, you can't you can't go wrong every day with animals, right? They they keep you keep you laughing, and and mine do every single day. So I've,
0: I've got a, a golden doodle named Echo that that makes me laugh every day. <laughs>
1: you have the best dog golden doodles are like literally the crown kings and queens of clownishness
0: they're They're born happy
1: i know they're like got this big smile all the time and they have that fur you just like have to like dig into and be like you're the cutest thing in the whole world (laughs) so so you're you are quite lucky that way i we just got a little puppy who's part Jack Russell and part who knows what. And uh, I forgot what it was like to have a terrier puppy where they think, you know, they know everything in the world. And and you don't, and they do not understand the word no or what that means. <laughs> so that's pretty fun. And they all come into my office and um, hang out and sleep while I write, which is very fun. And then they all get up exactly at the, the same time at 4.30 and stare at me for dinner. <laughs> so that's that's very fun.
0: So you have a team so of co-authors on this book.
1: I do. These are all these are all co-authors. So, so in terms of if we got back to the writing part and away from the dog part, um, I had actually started writing years ago. I had done two YA books, um, Sissy Funk and Bowery Girl, and then I didn't know what to do because I didn't want to continue writing in YA. And then life sort of happened and I became a dean at a business college and that took a lot of time. And during that whole time, I just started working on figuring out what I wanted to write next. And so I taught and facilitated workshops for a group in Portland called PDX Writers and continued to figure out the stories I wanted to tell. And I ended up writing The Companion, which is sort of the first in this series of three books the deception that's coming out is the third one mm-hmm. um all set in new england in the uh eight, between 1850 and 1870 so that was i was writing that and it was fairly gothic book and i uh didn't have an agent i wasn't thinking of that at the time i was just trying to get a book done and like halfway through it i realized it was a pretty commercial book so i chose to um, change track a little bit and say, you know what, finish the book and look for an agent. So I I did that. I was uh, successful in that, very lucky. And we sold the book to Lake Union Publishing, and then they have subsequently published that after Alice Fell and the Companion. And it, it's been very fun because New England is such a great area for like every religious movement, every movement you could possibly want in the U.S. So the suffragettes were there, excuse me, the suffragists. Uh, the abolitionists came from there. The transcendentalists were in there. The the Great Awakening one and two, which were the big huge religious revivals, came from there. And um, as did spiritual spiritualism, which is what the deception is. Uh, talks about a little bit within it so that was very fun to write
0: all right so uh with the book uh coming out this halloween season Mm -hmm. uh the deception uh if you could give us kind of your your quick couple minute pitch on on what this novel is about
1: So The Deception is about a woman named Maude Price who used to be a child medium. uh, And she has subsequently lost her fame, lost her reputation, and lost her spirit guide uh, that was very successful for her as a child. And she's struggling to make ends meet. And she is given the name of a woman who can help her regain all those things her guide her reputation and her fame uh and that woman is Clementine Watkins and she happens to be a very talented fixer of mediums and medium séance problems
0: uh, that's a great so, name for a character by the way
1: <laughs> thank you so she does hire this woman and finds herself suddenly far 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 too much in in trouble uh with the frauds that are committed in her name to regain her reputation so it is the story of frauds and mediums and uh you know i think at the basis of this book i always thought i i love watching those like the you know the mediums on tv etc and some of them, you're like, wow, you're really good. You're a good con artist. You're good at you know, reading the crowd. You can do that sort of hot read of what's going on in the crowd very quick on their feet. Um, and other ones, I question. I'm like, maybe they're really, really mediums. And in the end, is the comfort any different, whether they are or not, if you believe it? Right? If you believe in the, the other world, is the comfort any different? whether it's authentic or been done with tricks. And I think that mm-hmm. sort of drives part of this story. At least it drives Clementine's uh, moral compass herself, if she has one.
0: Uh, so so this topic of uh, spiritualism, what mm-hmm. made you decide to write a book on this?
1: When I was trying to determine the book that I wanted to do next in the series, so The Companions in 1855. Um, after Ellis fell is in 1865. Again, they're in the same town in New Hampshire. So I said, you know, I want to move up and up uh, about 10 years to see what happens to the town. And I just started looking at the sorts of, again, the movements that were in New England and spiritualism was very, very big. And I happened across a book on the Fox sisters who were basically in America, the, the beginning of the spiritualist movement and these two girls i um, I bet
0: i've read that same book that you're talking about
1: oh yeah oh yeah the 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 raps and taps right yeah so these girls they just you know they start making all these raps and tap sounds in their house their mother believes them they say it's a guy that's been murdered in the basement this is like 1844 uh people are coming over to the house like What's going on here? They're like, we don't know. We're scared. There's this this split foot. That's what they called the guy that goes to the basement, Mr. Splitfoot. So they started doing this and and, um, their mother's like, this is getting ridiculous. I'm shipping you off to your sister. So they go to another town. This is in New York, uh, upstate New York. And they go to another, ta- another town with their sister and their sister doesn't say, this is ridiculous. Their sister says, this is an amazing money-making opportunity. So she starts um, really publicizing the two of them and they become world famous doing raps and taps. You know, People from the audience ask questions and it's yes or no answers. And from them, just everything burgeoned so you you start getting sort of a a split in the spiritualist movement you have the people who are absolutely 100% believe they can get in touch with spirits in the other world or the great beyond or summerland hundreds of newspapers are being produced at this time that are spirit spiritist or spiritualist newspapers um and it that alone became its own movement of people trying to connect with loved ones, connect with dead famous people. Uh, in the back of one of them, in the back of, of one of the, the uh, newspapers, they had literally like a Dear Abbey section, but it was people who wrote in from the other world. Through a medium to the paper saying why they died what's going on with them now, please say hi to my mother, please tell my brother the money is under this cabinet. Uh, I've been murdered etc so. You have uh, you know the uh, the authentic spiritualists who said listen, we believe in this and we believe in the afterlife and communicating with them. And you have the mediums that start growing from that so you start having the business of that and most mediums were women at the time they there were some famous male mediums Um, the davenport brothers for instance were very very famous and then from that of course in as in any of these types of businesses you have the people who say how can i make money from this and recreate the seance Uh, And then from there, you have magic. Magic was already there, but it connected very quickly with the spiritualist movement. And and there was interesting offshoots of it. So there were the the cable that was going to carry telegraphs between the United States and England was being put in Mm -hmm. through the Atlantic. And one of the men who did that also believed in mesmeric fluids as a way to talk to spirits so he said look we can we can send these signals over the telegraph why can't we do the same sort of idea to connect with with ghosts and spirits and then you had uh spirit photography became very popular and that was a guy named William Mumler was the biggest one he he was the one who photographed uh Mrs. Lincoln with a ghost of Abraham standing right behind her And he was hauled into in front of Congress for that.
0: And I I encourage anybody listening, uh, you know, go look it up on Google. You can see this picture of Mary Todd Lincoln with kind of Abraham hovering in the background.
1: Yes, and I suggest stay on Google past that one and keep looking at spirit photography because some of them are really well done. And uh, it's really a fascinating thing. But if you think about it in terms of the history of the time now, the deception pl- takes place in 1877, so we are past the Civil War. But it was during the Civil War that that spiritualism really burgeoned when there were so many uh, deaths uh, in families and so many people yearning to talk to the, the men who fell on the battlefield. Um, and that's where it really, really grew big. So that in in the book that Maud would have been very famous right during that time as a child photo- child medium, and her father would cart her around everywhere. There were mediums who carted themselves to battlefields so that they could talk to the recently dead. So you know, we <laughs> gets a little little nutty uh, within there. So
0: then, right after I mean, that, you kind of want to think yeah. about the the ethics of that right i mean that that just is unsettling to think
1: yes yes it's very unsettling and those ethics are um (laughs) yes that i i can't even describe that kind of ethics i'm just going to get on my cart and let's go over and let's talk to them now while it's they're recently bereaved but if you think of that that is the moment they so these people who do this whether they are true mediums or not. And again, I've always called myself a skeptical believer because um, i I myself have seen ghosts. and I've talked to some mediums, especially for this book that I interviewed mm-hmm. that has uh, been pretty interesting. But during the civil war, this this movement is gets very big, and we are in the space between sort of right past the Civil War up to Houdini where you really have that you know people they're going on stage they're doing world tours they're going house to house and doing different sorts of seances and in and, and people will gather uh their friends in the parlor and the medium and their assistants because you better have assistants with you bring the spirit cabinet in bring the things to make the wall you know to cover the windows um and they do their game, their, their act as it may be. Uh, and then Houdini, this is past in the book, but but he's pretty interesting. He, when his mother died, he really wanted to connect with her. So he just went from medium to medium to medium to see if they could. And he, as he's doing this, it's Houdini, right? So he he's already doing these sorts of illusions and tricks. And he's watching what they do, and he starts realizing, I, I know what the tricks are. So he would start take going on stage and saying, "This medium over here that I went to see, this is exactly how she did it." And he ble- sort of blew open that the the fraud part of the the business.
0: So, so today he be, he'd be considered a, a debunker.
1: He's a debunker, yeah. He was the, you know, the most famous debunker, my favorite word. I love that word, (laughs) (laughs) the debunker. Yeah. And he was always like uh, at odds with Arthur Conan Doyle, who wrote Sherlock Holmes, of course, who was very much into the spiritualist movement. So they had years of being at odds with each other. But still managing to speak together, Yeah, so it's a fascinating, fascinating period in terms of that. And in terms of, you know, some things I found interesting about the the spiritual movement itself was it was not like a church. So there wasn't ever um, sort of that, you know, here's our priest at the top and then the people underneath and these sort of layers to a church. It was very decentralized and that was on purpose. But because it was decentralized, that's, it couldn't stay together. So it's sort of like everything sort of started to fade out and the groups faded out. Although you can still go to a spiritualist college now, if you wish.
0: That's kind of how the paranormal community is today. There's not really mm-hmm. a, any definition to it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, agreed. I had a really interesting interview with a medium who was recommended to me. And it was fascinating to talk to her. But, you know, she has, she said there's a lot of frauds in this. And she's part of a group that is wanting anyone who says they're a medium or psychic, that they have to prove they are through some physical way. So, They want to certify them so that they can start debunking things and getting people to stop spending their money on, you know, all the frauds, which I found really interesting.
0: Uh, Well, that is interesting because most of your professions, that's how you end up with professional uh, licensing associations. uh You know, they want to weed out fraudsters. And, you know, we did this with doctors, we did this with uh dentistry all all kinds of things lawyers
1: yeah exactly and i think it would be interesting because you can fake so much now and you could find so much on the internet about people before you even meet with them for a reading so it's like what would you possibly get that proves that they didn't find that somehow in a quick search of the person Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I, I did the interview with her, which was really interesting because I wanted with Maud to she's a really truly a medium. She I didn't want to be like, here's the Hollywood version, and there's scary ghosts, and she has a trance and whatever. I really wanted to to dig into some of the ways mediums see spirits. So Maud in the story hears spirits, she's Claire Audience um and that's what she mostly does and and she's asked about it at one time and she's you know what's it like when they come and she said it's like having a french horn put to your ear and every note blown at once so that's what she so that's how she does very few a few times she sees spirits. so i was asking the the medium i interviewed about this and this is sort of how i've set this character up and she said well there's so many different ways that you can experience and communicate with spirits. Sometimes it's just in your head and, um, and say, I can hear it in my head. And, and she said, yes, that's actually true. That is one way to communicate with spirits. I had a reading with her after the interview because I, I wanted to do that too. And she started right up front. She said, okay, I know we're going to continue on in this reading, but I see very, very clearly right now a young girl who's just her dress is soaked in water and there's mud coming down out of her hair and she's got this horrific look on her face and I said that's one of the characters in my book and she she wouldn't have known that because no I don't share my book until I'm done with anyone Mm -hmm. so I was like that's like one of the characters and she said she can see characters when she re- does readings with authors which was and and another medium i was and, and when you I hadn't submitted doing, this yet no i was still yeah. writing it no one knew anything about the book hmm. this character particularly so uh, uh, it was a young girl and I was I was shocked. I'm like, how could you possibly know that? Did you get into my computer and read my novel? <laughs> I was like halfway done with the book, and and as I said, I don't I don't share it until I have one one person I send it to for a for an for an edit before I send it out to the publisher. So I'm like, okay, that's creepy. That was really weird. It wasn't creepy. It was cool. It was actually a great reading. But I have to wait about two years to see if some of the stuff she said actually happens. Um, yeah, and she, she talked to uh, to my grandmother and about my brother who passed away, who I don't know how she could have found out about. But maybe they know. Um, she, so I really, really respected her. And I was really glad to have that. It, you know, it's so easy to be cynical and go, it's all just smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. But then... Uh, so so it was really really fascinating to talk to her and i talked to a few other mediums so i said you were smoking mirrors but she she felt like the real deal to me
0: okay. so yeah mm. um so you're uh you two protagonists for for your book Maude and and clementine um you know they're they're both women uh mm-hmm. what what did the spiritualist movement do for women at the time. I I find that really interesting.
1: So people felt that spirits came through women and women's softer qualities much easier than they did through men. So women started becoming the, uh, the majority of the psychics and mediums at the time period and it gave another means of making money and being independent as a woman on your own um and yeah so that you know at the time as you know there was not too many options of positions you could have if you needed to be independent if you were not married Uh, excuse me yes if you were not married so if you were uh, a widow for instance very difficult to to make it and this was a method to do it all you needed was the, the parlor, you needed to be, uh, you know, fairly good at what you were doing, whether it was the right way or the wrong way, and uh, you were
0: off. Yeah, I, I, I think that's an a interesting uh, way for women to kind of get outside of the social conventions at the time.
1: hmm they also, you know, and you you bring up social conventions, which is great because it also gave women a voice in a very interesting way, because it was outside of social conventions. If you had someone who, uh, who had the spirits come through their body and speak to them, there was oftentimes that spirit that came through them had their own voice, and they would be very political very much about you know what's going on with the women's with women's rights and women's right to vote or they'd be very flirty they'd be just absolutely not what you're supposed to be as a woman in the time period so it gave this tremendous freedoms of sort of for that medium to just speak their mind.
0: Mm, so so the spirits would come through and advocate for women's suffrage or something like that.
1: Yes, exactly. And then they'd be like no no that wasn't me. That was Mary <laughs> You know, Mary Abbott, who was who died in Connecticut in 1720. She came through <laughs> me and said this. Not me. Give me my money, please. <laughs> so, yeah. And so, I mean, people had the craziest sorts of sorts of spirits that came that, that they couldn't possibly know. They'd be like some, some Indian tribe from Brazil. They, they, so that you can't prove it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They'd be like, I'm a little child who was killed in the amazon but i'm here to see you i love you all it's like well how do you speak english
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it was you know it's like people believed it and when you're when you're grieving and mourning and you're looking for is there another world beyond this you're pretty open to it
0: um so that kind of leads me into into my my kind of last question for your book is you know kind of the the characters that they're interacting with uh you know to what extent do people believe this
1: that's a good question i would ask i i, I don't have any data on how much people believe this and you hear it now you know people will be like oh yeah i i, I talk to my dad or i see him or when i see a dime it's my dad leaving leaving it for me uh it's this sense we don't want to let go of them in some way and i think that's very beautiful that that we keep those connections
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the spiritualist movement itself there is still a very small faction of people but i think a lot of people you know and and the the fact that you that when a medium comes on tv and they do something it's it they're very popular so we, we are still reaching for that. Can we get beyond, beyond the veil? What, what's out there?
0: Uh, well, Kim, uh, very I, I really like this. I think it's a, a really cool topic. I like that you really grounded it in, in the history of this movement, as, as opposed to, like you said, going for the uh, you know, very uh, Hollywood horror film style. I think this was a, was a really cool uh, idea for a book. Very well done. So if somebody would like to uh, pick up a copy of The Deception, uh, where can they go?
1: Well, you could go to your bookstore. You can go on Amazon. You can go directly to my site at kimtaylorblakemore.com. Uh, any of those places would be great. It comes out on September 27th, but it is in pre-order right now. And if you if you pick it up and you you write me and Show me your little receipt. I will send you one of those very cool tarot cards.
0: Oh, yes. Uh, we were talking about that before yeah. we started recording. Tell people about the tarot cards.
1: Yeah. So instead of giving a book plate or a bookmark, I had a, a sort of, it's like a bookmark, but it's the shape of the tarot card. And it's this beautiful sort of creepy design that's very, very fun. And I think goes with the book. And I will send that to you. If you send me your receipt that you got the book,
0: uh, and Kim was nice enough to send me one, they're they're very cool. I, I really like it as a bookmark. Um, it's
1: hard to it's hard to describe them on a podcast, isn't it? Let's see. There's two hands. One woman has holding the dagger. Another has a rose growing through her hand. <laughs>
0: uh, I will. Uh, I'll I'll post the picture of mine on Twitter if that's all right. If people want to check that
1: out. Oh, that's cool. Yes, of course. That's
0: okay. great. A good last question for you. Uh, is there any uh, hints you can give us for what you're working on down the road?
1: Sure. Uh, I have a book that I'm just finishing up. That's called the good time girls. It's set in 1905, Kansas. And it's about two ex dance hall girls on a road trip of vengeance. And that should be out in May. And I'm researching another historical thriller about resistance in Germany during uh, Hitler's.
0: Great, you got some excellent uh, projects in the hopper, it looks like. All right, well maybe we'll have you on again then.
1: I would love it.
0: All right, Uh, well Kim, thank you so much for joining us uh, today.
1: Kevin, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.
0: Hi, welcome back. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed my conversation uh, with Kim about her latest novel. Uh, of course, if you want to pick up a copy of it, there's a link for it down in the description of this episode. Uh, it's a fun its a fun period to take a look at, so I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Um, looking ahead, uh, October suddenly became quite busy. Uh, got to speak with uh, author from the intelligence community, Nicholas Reynolds. Uh, we're going to be talking about his book, uh, Need to Know. Look for that in a couple weeks. Uh, and then I'm very excited to um, talk about a book that uh, kind of appeared on my radar uh, suddenly here in October, but I'm super excited for it, Over My Dead Body, Unearthing the Hidden History of America's Cemeteries. Uh, so look for that before Halloween, and I'll be speaking with the author, Greg Melville. Uh, a couple other things to look forward a little bit later on. Uh, doing a book about uh, civil war, uh, and then looking uh, at another book uh, for November, uh, looking at the reign of Pharaoh Akhenaten uh, and Nefertiti. Uh, So that'll be a lot of fun. We've never done anything on Egypt before, so I'm looking forward to that. So lots of things uh, coming around the bend. So until then, see you next time.